Uh-huh. All right. Happy Christmas Eve. Merry something. It's the JPS Football Show. I'm your host, Elliot Evans. I'm here with Richie. How are we doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm going to go hang out with the family a little bit, uh, watch the kids open up some gifts. Nice. Um, thank you for your gift, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. We I have got a football to throw around the neighborhood now. Exactly. So when um, you, you see us in a petty crime report for breaking some windows, it's because I don't have a good arm. Or because I threw the bottle of whiskey through someone's window. But it's okay. I mean, they're both brown. It's easy to confuse which object you're throwing. I, I don't know. I got nothing. Anyway, um, we are here early for the holiday weekend slate of football games. Week 16 is going to be wild and crazy with all kinds of playoff implications from who gets in, who's seated where. It's going to be nuts. We're also going to be tied up with family and stuff, so we wanted to get this episode out to you sooner rather than later. How's your beer? It's uh, deliciously watery. All right, let's go. Yeah. Proud sponsor of Just Kidding. So we're going to dive right into the games and uh, wherever it takes us, we shall go. So there's actually a game on Christmas, which uh, some people don't like. I think the NFL thought this was a great idea when they were scheduling it. Primetime matchup. Two big dogs of the NFC, the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. How'd that work out this year, huh? I kind of like it because we can eliminate the Vikings from the playoffs a couple of days earlier. Um, Are th- aren't they already done? I It doesn't matter. If they <laughs> are not, they'll die this week. So either way, um, die pre- twice. So I'm pretty sure the Vikings were eliminated with their loss last week. Um, whereas the Saints are still in contention for the first seed. Not a huge carrot, but they need uh, Drew Brees to get back into the flow of things. And Minnesota has nothing to play for. So this should be a sure thing. But um, take nothing for granted this year with uh, a COVID season. But I got the Saints covering on this. They're going to win this. Um, let's go 34 to 18. I got the Saints winning this 30 to 23. Yeah, this one uh, should be pretty done and dusted. You never know. Crazy things have happened. Like, um, you know, some teams that you guys think should be um, – Rated higher in people's esteem, losing to the Jets, for instance. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Uh, let's talk about the Buccaneers going to Detroit to play the uh, head coachless Lions. Not breaking news on the Matt Patricia front, but guess what? Their interim coach out, COVID-less, so they're on their third coach. Big deal. At least you know if they're on the goal line. He's not going to call a <laughs> slant. Um, shit, man. All right. Um, so, I like the Bucks. To win by 10, no issues really. Um, 30 to 20, comfortable win. They'll yeah. probably sleepwalk for the first 15 minutes. They have a habit of doing that against inferior competition. I feel like that's been the story on them all year. They've only come out hot a few times. It's been in, in the bigger games. But they've looked pretty underwhelming in, in games that should be no-brainers or um, even those mid-tier teams. Detroit is not mid-tier. Um they're on the bottom end, despite their record. They're like salty tier. <laughs> and the Bucks uh, will get their 10th win of the season, which is a, a nice little milestone for them. Because um, I think they've been underwhelming, not just to me, but I think fans have felt this season has been a little disappointing with all the hype that came into it. Would you agree with that? or No, for sure. Um, I still think that it's a little unreasonable given the age of the quarterback, given the fact that so many of these guys came from other places. And, you know, this isn't the NBA where you can just put three or four all-stars together and it changes the world. It Football's different. You rely as much on your 50th player as you do on your first. It's well, a different league. And both, both sports are having truncated off-seasons, less time to prepare. You know, it, it's been difficult for teams with new coaching staffs, a lot of player changeover. Uh, differences in the NBA, there's, you know, typically 82 games. Even if there's fewer this year, um, it's it's a lot more games to figure out chemistry, a lot more reps to get all that stuff figured out, and frankly, the the scheming is different in basketball, right? Basketball is more fluid. Football is, tends to be pretty um, assigned with some of these things. Although that being said, the quarterback wide receiver dynamic has changed and looked more like basketball over the years with these read routes, uh-huh. which, to your point means it takes even more time for a quarterback who 
not just his age, but the length of time he was in New England. Um, Brady got really used to those guys, not just um, who was there, but who would come in would adapt to his style. Whereas now it's been uh, a total changeover, so no surprises to me, right? I'm not surprised. Uh, they lost two crucial games to New Orleans, which even though New Orleans has been on a bit of a dip, a slide, New Orleans with those two wins should still win that division, and I think that gets handled Friday. Well, it, yeah. Tampa's a formidable wild card if they're playing their best ball. Um, they're in a position at the moment, I believe, that they would open their playoffs against whoever wins the East, which we'll touch on shortly. Um, very unlikely anybody that the East sends is advancing. So Tampa's is still a dangerous out, but they're going to have to do it on the road if they want to get to their home venue for the Super Bowl. Most likely. And, of course, they'll be watching that Saints game um, pretty closely to see what happens. If Vikings pull the upset. I'm glad someone is. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyway, uh, long story short, Bucks are taking that one um, 28 to 17. Surprisingly low scoring, but that's what I'm calling. Moving right along. That was a, sorry, I didn't even mention, that's a Saturday 1 o'clock game. Um, the Saturday 4 o'clock slot is the NFC West's 49ers versus the Cardinals. Um, Niners got little to play for. Cardinals still fighting to stay alive. What do you got on this one? I think it's going to be competitive. Um, their first game was an Arizona win, which at the time was an upset. Niners, of course, coming in as defending conference champions. They've been obliterated with injuries. I like um, the Cardinals in a close one, 24-17. I think it's going to be lower scoring than some might believe. And I think the Niners will do enough to keep it competitive, but uh, Arizona will make more plays, and uh, their defense will wrap the game up for them. Their defense has been on the uptake lately, getting after the quarterbacks. So uh, I have a feeling that uh, low scoring, Cardinal victory. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with the Niners having little to play for and coming off um, what's got to be a, a disappointing loss to a, a Cowboys team that they should have been able to beat, um, I, I think there's nothing left in the tank for this one, whereas the Cardinals are scrapping to stay alive. Kyler Murray's having a great season. Um, yeah, I think they're going to pretty much the reason make short I think work it could one. be close is because Arizona's in a situation where they could come out a little complacent and maybe a slow start. And, you know, given the division heat that these two have for each other, that's why I think it might be more competitive they than it should be. They gave up 41 points to Andy Dalton. I don't want to hear it. Granted, there were some turnovers and stuff to put their defense in tough situations. It's still not a good out for them. Cardinals are taking care of business 38-20. to 20. Ouch. Yeah, beat down city. So Saturday night also has a primetime matchup. The Miami Dolphins are headed to Vegas to play the Raiders, who have, um, based on what I read, the longest odds to still squeak into the playoffs at 1-500. to Yeah, the Raiders have completely shot themselves in the foot the last two, three weeks. Um, to be honest, they're very fortunate that they have one more win currently because they had no business beating the Jets. Jets should be having two wins because of what Greg Williams selfishly did, just calling a zero blitz in that game a couple of weeks back. At any rate, these are a tale of two teams going in two different directions. I expect, in my opinion, Coach of the Year, Brian Flores' Dolphins, to go on the road, take care of business, um, get a little resistance, though. I got them winning 30-23. to 23. Yeah, the Raiders aren't a bad football team, but the Dolphins have proven themselves to be pretty, pretty good. I mean, I don't think they're elite quite, but they've proven that they can hang around and compete with the best teams in the league. So um, I got them taking the next step and shoring up their playoff berth, which isn't guaranteed yet because they are not going to win the East. Um, that's going to Buffalo, right? Mm -hmm. So the Dolphins do need to win this one. Um, like you said, I think it'll be a tough matchup to some degrees. Raiders aren't a pushover, but I think their season's done and they know it. The Dolphins are going to take this one 31-24. So, um, on to Sunday, December 27th, our normal traditional day of football. Uh, We're starting off with the best matchup you can imagine with the Chicago Bears going to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars, who are holding on to that number one pick. And hold on, they will. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Bears are streaking, if you can call it that. Um, Uh, Mitchell Trubisky. This is the thing. Where's Um, Brett when you need him? We just talked about the Cardinals a second ago. The Bears have their sights on the Cardinals, jumping them, 
in the event that they do finish in a tie, the Bears have the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. And what the Bears have going for them is that going into Week 17, they play a Packer team that might have nothing to play for because they may already have that one seed sewed up. So the Arizona Cardinals have to be very careful. And I have to double-check who the Cardinals close out the season against. But if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the Seahawks. Rams. It's the Rams. Mm-hmm. That is not a gimme. And that, and I believe that's in L.A. Yes. And we know how tough the Rams are in L.A. I mean, just ask the... Uh, never mind. Um, no, but seriously, the Rams are a good football team. They, they came off a real stinker against the Jets. We'll get on that in a minute. But uh, I kind of like the Bears to sneak in the playoffs, given the circumstances of the remaining schedule. Um, I'm going to go... Bears 26, Jags 10 in this one. Wait a minute. That would mean the Bears have to beat the Packers no matter what. The, nah, there's too much heat there. The Packers will... Nah, the Bears are fucked, but it's still At least for this week. Uh, we'll see. The Bears 26, the Jaguars 10. The Jaguars are going to score a touchdown because of a turnover. It's not going to be anything that they did on offense. I just want to get that 13, out of the way. 13-27, Bears. Yeah, the Jags are, are a bad team but believe it or not the organization isn't as bad as the jets and they won't fuck up tanking for trevor they were the best team Um, after week one and things just kind of went down but um no they're gonna get trevor and you know all jokes aside jordan and i are host of the show spoke about this the other night the jaguars are in a good position moving forward they got some talent on offense they gotta fix that defense but on the offensive side of the ball, you know, they they found a very good running back after letting a household name in Leonard Fournette go. They have a nice little receiving core. They got some playmakers over there. Gardner Minshew, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm retaining him to be Trevor Lawrence's backup because he's still on his rookie deal. There's no reason to let him go when you got him playing for at a bargain. Well, and, you know, Fournette is a great case study in, in what we're seeing come to fruition which is that the the accepted knowledge that you don't pay running backs anymore, sadly, is true. I was one of those guys, like, I love running backs. Uh, it's probably my second favorite position to watch um, on the field. Maybe the first. I don't know. That was my first love in the sport. Anyway, point being, I think you're seeing with a guy like Fournette and his rapid decline, Zeke's loss of value fucking overnight, it seems. Um, the the questions in the future with Saquon coming back, um, you know who else? Dalvin Cook still great. Is he going to be worth the contract? Eh, kind of hard to see it. So you're seeing across the league that these running backs have become uh, interchangeable. There's so many talented runners out there that well, yeah, generational talent comes along like a Zeke or a Saquon or a Dalvin Cook, but their generational talent tends to go very fast compared to other positions. And, uh, and another thing, too, to your point, is that a theme now for a lot of offenses has been proven that you can have three, say, C-plus to B-level running backs in a committee that can put up adequate, comparable stats to your traditional one-headed guy. And it's been proven in recent history that going with a committee backfield is just better in general, not only for the star runner, but for the offense also. It keeps guys fresh, keeps defenses on their toes, because anybody that's played defense knows that it's tough when they keep switching out who you, who, who your target is and who you're tackling and your tackle angles and all of that goes into it. The 49ers showed the league that that approach works. It, they're not the ones who invented it. It's been done before. But these uh, two- and three-headed backfields are becoming the new wave in the NFL, and it's also diminishing the value contract-wise of a position that already has the shortest lifespan. Well, and frankly, running backs, they get to rely on raw athleticism Mm -hmm. in in so many aspects. The older they get, running backs tend to get better vision and a little more patience running the ball. But you know, with a lot of these college offenses, they have to be patient when you're running a spread offense. You don't have straight downhill runs. So these guys are coming into the league ready to – um, you know, close that gap in reaction time, but they're also able to see the field better than previous running backs. That's why I think every year you've got three to five running backs coming out of the draft and turning heads for a couple years and then going away and people being like, all right, remember that guy? And I'm going to throw a shout out on Saquon here, not necessarily for the best reasoning. Um, I know coming out, 
of college and, you know, that rookie of the year campaign, so many people are comparing him to Barry Sanders, who in a lot of people's minds is the greatest running back of all time. And I'll be honest, as a Giants fan and as someone who respects Barry Sanders, too, I don't want him being compared to that guy. I want him to hit the holes. I don't want him to dance around. North and South is the easiest, most logical way to still pick up yardage in the NFL. And I'm not the fan, so to speak, even though the athleticism and some of the great moves and leaping over guys and all that. I, I want a North to South guy. That's why a guy like Derrick Henry in today, or a Nick Chubb, in my opinion, is still more adequate for winning in today's NFL than someone who I think the world of, because I really do like Saquon. I think he's a great guy in addition to being a great player. And of course, you know, big injury he's coming off of. I, I think he's going to come back strong. But, uh, you know, it, it puts it on blast like, damn, did the Giants invest too much in drafting him as high as they did? And, you know, time will tell. I think so. I think that's unfortunately what's going to be written in the history of this. Um, and I, I hate to say it because, you know, most of you guys know Emmett Smith was my is my favorite football player and was really uh, the player that got me into the sport. But the position just doesn't have the value the way it used to. Um, no. Not to say running backs can't break a game wide open. It's just that, just that there's enough talent available when you look at your replacement value versus your starter value. The gap isn't huge. The I, gap is not huge. And I it's would, not worth paying a guy and fucking up your salary cap when, when you have holes at other positions. You see it in Dallas. You're probably going to see it with you guys as you try and figure out things. Um, Jacksonville is going to have this question in a couple of years. Do they pay this kid what he's going to be worth statistically? Or are they going to say, no, we can draft a kid and get decent value for him and instead get some receivers, get I a would, better O-line? I would go as far as saying at the height of Emmett's popularity and at the height of where that salary was being placed on guys like Emmett when he finally got paid and all that, most celebrated in terms of what he meant to his position and to the league at the time. I mean, I remember vividly during that Buffalo-Dallas, the second Super Bowl where Buffalo had lost their fourth Super Bowl. Uh, it's it's basically a formality at that point. Dallas is about to win their, third, uh, their second title in a row. And they're cutting a Reebok commercial of game tape in that Super Bowl while the Super Bowl is still going on, <laughs> which has never been heard of before. And it kind of separated Emmett from so many others before him. And, you know, of course, timing is a big part of it because if there's no Walter Payton, if there's no Jim Brown, there's no Emmett Smith. Yeah, but <clears throat> That's true. But part of Emmett's biggest talent was the ability to stay healthy and mm -hmm. consistently produce. His game wasn't built on, on the top-end speed no. or quickest cuts. He had an amazing vision and was able to stay healthy behind great offensive lines. The problem is in this league, in the current era, it's really tough to manage that. And I want to. You, you can't manufacture health. And I want to say one other thing, and this is something that really pisses me off about a, a lot of Emmett haters. They act like Emmett was just some bum that happened to run behind a great O line, and everyone wants to put the crown on Barry Sanders' head. I mean, listen, there's two ways to look at it. Barry was a phenomenal athlete, but when people say he didn't have an O line, that's not exactly accurate either. Now you're shitting on guys that were all right. Mike Utley was a very good ball player. Unfortunately, had a neck injury that ended his career. He couldn't walk anymore. There was another lineman on that particular Lions team that was unfortunately killed in the offseason. They had some, some trouble there refiltering the line. But the point I'm making is that Barry Sanders has the most carries for loss. And they can cry about an O-line all day long, but part of that is on Barry, too, because of his style. It's, it's, it's a conversation that we can go deeper on another time. Um, we'll get back to the games, but, you know, I agree with you. Barry Sanders' popularity wasn't just his production. It was, it was the highlights. He was the sports center era running back where you could just have a cut-up of a highlight for a three-yard game, but he, you know, ran 60 yards to get those three yards, missed, you know, made 10 guys miss. He did a lot of impressive shit that didn't result in yards, um, but it was flashy and fun to watch. And last thing I'm going to say on this is anyone who thinks that Emmett is just some average guy and a beneficiary of his O-line, they don't take into account what he did in the open field and how tough of a runner he was. And, you know, you, you want to know the kind of player Emmett Smith was? All I ask you to do is watch Week 17, 1993 in the Meadowlands against the Giants, and the, uh, that's all you need to know about Emmett. 
And so, moving along, finally, sorry for that, we, we get passionate about our running backs. A game that doesn't feature much in the way of running back love. You got the Cincinnati Bengals going to Houston. <sighs> I mean, you this know. This is really a roll of the dice. I mean, the Texans are coming off an L. that they A game they could have won. I mean, they Kiki Koti got fumbled going into the end zone. That cost them the game. The Bengals, on the other hand, are coming off a massive win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is the Burrowless Bengals. Having said all that, I still think the Texans are a better football team. And I think that the Bengals are playing a team similarly built to them. They're going to play down to the level of the competition or where they should be playing. And in this particular game, I just realized I didn't write down my final on this game. Call it. I'm going to go... Texans 27, Bengals 17. Yeah, I like that score. Um, I'll mirror that. And here's the reason why. Um, I think that the Texans, while they're eliminated from the playoffs, is something we talked about and touched on earlier. A lot of these guys are considering their future and saying, there's no guarantee I'm coming back to this team or any other necessarily. There's a lot of guys that are playing for a job next season because they don't know what's going to happen to that organization. so There's um, pieces that are attractive to contenders. Right. So going out there and showing they can still do it, putting up the numbers they need to for the next contract, and, and shit, just playing the sport. I think their, their team uh, isn't necessarily going to be together next year. And even on a losing team, you can have a pretty close bond. So I think they're going to go out there and play hard, as will the Bengals, but Houston's a better team. So yeah, that, that's going to be the difference. Um, another turd of a game. <laughs> the Browns are playing the Jets. Is is there any um, back-to-back magic for the Jets? What do we think? Well, it's weird because a team that's supposed to die and get the one pick, which they squandered last week by beating the Rams, who are a good football team. <laughs> oh, boy. Um the Jets have been competitive the past four to five weeks, and that can't be denied. You look at the game tape. You look at all their games. They actually have competed. They will continue to compete. I don't know what fire got lit under their ass. or Maybe it's just from a pride level. Guys are tired of being a joke and just looked at as like, just die, get us Trevor Lawrence. Anybody who has respect for themselves is going to want to play hard, regardless of how bad it is. And in that regard, I don't give Adam Gase too much credit, but anybody that thinks that his team isn't playing hard, no, they're playing hard. They're just not playing well and make a lot of mental errors. They're 1-13 for a reason. Browns will win. Browns will win. The Jets will show up. I'm going to go Browns 31, Jets 23. I, I, I would love to see the Jets pull this off, not just to, to make more fun of the draft thing, but you know Marcus May, former Gator, having a hell of a season. He was their uh, team elected MVP. Um. You know, I enjoy seeing teams that don't give up, even when, you know, from a, a business perspective, it would be better for them to lose. Too. Oh, yeah, he's, he's had a good season. And that's the thing. A few players on this team have, have shown up week to week. And it's, you know, as someone that played for, um, we'll say, less than talented football team in high school, I can empathize with a team that's just, you know, not good from the organization to the talent level, everything, but still going out there and putting it on the line and, you know, I'd love to see um, the Jets come out there and pull another upset because it's great for the underdog. And, and frankly, I don't like the Browns still. I don't no. like them. I think, I don't know, they're finding a way to win. I got to respect them. But something about that team just makes me think they're they're a first round out for somebody. Um, nonetheless, I agree with you. I think they are going to win this one. It's going to be 30-23 to 23, Cleveland. Um, just too much talent, too much to play for for them. Um, so, a more interesting, probably our, our best matchup so far, we got the uh, Steelers and the Colts. That should be a pretty big one, arguably the best 1 o'clock matchup. I just um, hope the Steelers aren't wearing those throwbacks. <laughs> um, this could be a good game. I mean, the Steelers are on a three-game losing streak after starting the year 11-0. and uh, Some of that is on them. Some of that's on the league. Forcing a team, I don't give a damn who's on the schedule, to play three games in 12 days in the NFL, number one, that's brutal. Number two, it's severely unfair. And this benefited solely, and I mean solely, the Baltimore Ravens. And it hurt 
a lot of other teams. I can make a list of teams I'm not going to that this hurt. They didn't give uh, the Denver Broncos that same luxury. But I don't see the Steelers losing four in a row. Uh, Mike Tomlin is one of the most consistent coaches in not only Steeler history, NFL history. They have a lot of veterans on this team with a lot of pride. I think they're going to figure it out. I expect Indy to show up and play. And this is a matchup of uh, two of the last men standing from the 2004 NFL draft in uh, Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. They were in that famous uh, 04 draft along with Eli Manning, who's recently retired. I'm going to go Steelers 27, Colts 24. I expect a very good, hard-nosed, hard-played football game. I think the Steelers are going to grab that intestinal fortitude and come out after being embarrassed by a division rival who's got nothing to play for in the Cincinnati Bengals. They also... At the time, we're getting laughed at for losing to Washington. Washington's now the East leader. Their only quality loss, so to speak, is the Buffalo game, which they actually had the lead on in part of that game. Uh, Pittsburgh's been tough to figure, but just going to X's and O's, one of Pittsburgh's biggest issues has been uh, converting on running situations and short yardage. They have been awful. The Yeah, they have been awful. Well, it's a must-win game for the Steelers. I mean, they, they have clinched a playoff spot, but they have not clinched the North. Uh, to my knowledge, my understanding is that were the Steelers to lose today, the division title goes to the winner of next week's matchup, which is the Browns playing the Steelers in Week right. 17. So right. this they could put some distance and lessen the importance of that game. And I believe that game's in Cleveland. Um, I think so. Hold on. Yes, it sure is. Yeah, so it's you know they do not want the division on the line in Week 17 in Cleveland. No, they don't want it. Um. Not that they couldn't pull the win, but they would have to put their starters out there and everything else, whereas they could essentially wrap up the division with the win today because they do hold the tiebreaker by conference, I believe, um, over Cleveland. We would have to double-check that. But this, this to me, is more important than their matchup next week uh, yeah. in terms of they need to win this. Yeah, take care of the business. And then they play – then they're in a rare position where they can kind of screw up Cleveland a little, even if Cleveland gets in the playoffs – they can still possibly throw them an L. And the cool thing about Pittsburgh's situation is I don't in, in a in a year without a bye week, unless you're the one seed, two and three positionally might not matter all that much unless if there's a particular team you want to play. So in that regard, the Steelers could play not all their starters. And if they are to somehow beat the Browns anyway, that's a psychological edge too. And a confidence booster. Well, and, and across the field, the Colts are still playing. Um, they're knotted up with Tennessee yeah. as far as overall record. Yeah, um, They have the easier out next week against Jacksonville. So this this would be a huge win for them to pick up. If so the they... Colts play Jacksonville next week? Yep. Wouldn't that be some shit if Jacksonville does the season <laughs> sweep on the Colts? And, uh, at the you know, the Titans have the Texans, which should be, you know, not a, a gimme win, but Tennessee should be able to handle them. However... That's a tougher matchup than the Jags, so the Colts really got to look at this as a big game if they want to take that division title. Um, that being said, what's our call on this one, Rich? Yeah, Steelers by three for sure. 27-24, they're going to win this game. I think the slide continues. Oh I think the Steelers drop a fourth in a row. I think the Colts make an interesting matchup and put a little pressure on Tennessee. And they make this Steelers-Browns showdown in Week 17 huge, massive, wow, right? Wow! For the division next week, so I got the Colts taking this one in a tight one, 31 to 28. Wow! Yep, should be should be uh, very entertaining. Another game that could be very entertaining: the Falcons are playing the Chiefs. I'm not sure the Falcons are gonna have much of a chance, but they have a good offense, and the Chiefs are always exciting to watch. Uh, what's our what's our call on this one? I might see a not, lot of points. Might not be the first thing that jumps off the page when you look at this game, but uh, at the quarterback position, you have two former league MVPs in this game. A lot mm-hmm. of people forget that Matt Ryan, not too long ago, was a league MVP. The Atlanta Falcons, with Julio, without Julio, are still a high-powered unit. Their Waterloo has been turnovers and holding leads. Their defense has been atrocious at many different times this year. Chiefs are the most complete team in the NFL. I expect the Falcons to show up because they are a professional team, and it's an opportunity. You get to play the defending world champions anytime, any season. That's a game you get up for. 
And to the Chiefs' credit, they have taken everyone's best shot and have only lost one game. I like the Chiefs in this one. 41-27, the Falcons will give it their best shot, but that's going to be where it's where it lies. 14 yeah, point the, win. The Chiefs' defense is sneaky good. They're really good at um, bend but don't break, as in they're used to playing with the lead and they're pretty good at it. They're opportunistic yeah. when they've got a, a two-score lead. They're pretty good at holding on, um, even though they've had leads closed down on them late in those games. Like against Miami, they've been able to make enough plays to either um, force the team into taking too much clock or creating a turnover. And I think it's kind of the same thing. Atlanta's got a good offense, um, but not enough to keep up with the Chiefs. And their Chiefs defense is definitely better than the Falcons. Like you said, they're the most well-balanced and elite team in the league. I agree. Um, so they're going to take care of business. I got this one a little lower scoring, um, 38 to 24 um, in favor of the Chiefs. Should be a lot of fun. Big plays that happen, but um, shouldn't be too much drama late in this one. So we both got them winning by 14. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, which is which is over. Um, it's 10 and a half, so it's not crazy. Um, but yeah, should be should be business. So before, we got one more 1 o'clock game, but we're going to take a break first because we're going to get into this NFC East madness, and we definitely need another drink before we talk about that. So we'll be back. Guys, if you haven't already, you need to check out Focus Mobile Detailing. This is a family-owned business, and they don't leave until you're happy. So what they'll do is actually come out to your place of work or to your home while your car is parked in the driveway and do a complete detail on your vehicle. And then they don't leave until you're happy, guys. So if you see something you don't like, let Jovan know. He'll, he'll take good care of you. And if you guys subscribe to The Jordan Patrick Show, we'll give you 25% off any package that they have to offer. They do company and group packages as well. And the packages start as low as $45. So it's a damn good deal, guys. Check them out. And they aim for a showroom finish. They're family-owned, and they treat every car like it's their own. Give them a call today, 407-310-2976. Ask for Jovan. Once again, 407-310-2976. That's Focused Mobile Detailing. All right, we're back. We got one more 1 o'clock matchup to talk about, and it's going to, I'm sure... Bring up some other games because we're talking about Brett's favorite, the NFC East. <laughs> the New York football giants are playing the Baltimore Ravens uh, in Baltimore. You guys are fighting for your lives. Frankly, Baltimore is too. Um, do you have a prayer? Is there a chance? There's always a chance when you have a team that doesn't feature a number one receiver and opposite um you have the best corner in the NFL. Um, but having said that, Lamar has made do, especially lately with really playing the Superman act and carrying his team completely. What he did in the Cleveland game, regardless of what people think of him as a traditional quarterback, was nothing short of amazing. My team, on the other hand, has had a quarterback carousel the last three weeks between Danny Dimes and Colt McCoy. I believe Colt McCoy is getting the start in this game. I am not 100% sure. Uh, I mean, this is Joe Judge emphatically said, Daniel Jones is our quarterback. Does that, okay, cool. Is he playing on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, the injury update as of today is that he's progressing, um, which means jack shit. It's Thursday, right? And He'll be ready for week 18. You hey. know, <laughs> All we, right. We don't know, and I'm sure you guys will I get your I believe Jones news. is going to get the start, or at least, and if, and if he can't do it, then you'll see Colt again. Either way, regardless of who starts the game for us, I'm going to be brutally honest here. Um, our defense, Patrick Graham did a great job all year. They played above their heads. People forget we lost Zoe Carter and O'Shane Jimenez, who were supposed to be our crunch bunch uh, replicas. We replaced them with Carter Coughlin and Tay Crowder, a.k.a. Mr. Irrelevant, both rookies, both guys playing well. Blake Martinez has been nothing short of incredible. Jabril Peppers having a good year. Our defense is not the issue. But as we've been exposed in the previous two games, that zone isn't working. And we had to run that zone to not get burned over the top, especially last week with James Bradbury missing the game with COVID. All that being taken into account, 
Um, I don't see the Giants winning this football game. Baltimore is a better team. They're more experienced. And I'll be honest, they're playing better right now. I got the Ravens winning at home 31-17. I do think the Giants might be able to keep this relatively interesting going into the half, but ultimately I think the team that doesn't have as many three and outs is the team that doesn't have as tired a defense, and I think that team is Baltimore. Um, We're going to need the Washington football team to lose to keep our playoff hopes alive, and we'll see. I'm sure you guys will be happy to see Dez again. That might motivate us. Who knows? <laughs> I doubt it. No, um, I'm with you on most of that. Here, here's my two cents on the quarterback situation. Sit Daniel Jones. It's not worth the um, potentially mortgaging your future, right? In a season that, I'm sorry, it'd be an accomplishment for you guys to make the playoffs, but it would always have the asterisk of COVID and the worst NFC East and one of the worst divisions in history. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you and I have some thoughts about that that don't quite agree with how bad it looks. Nonetheless, it's it, it's going to downgrade your accomplishment just to make the playoffs, which is normally a good thing, but this year not so much. All right, So why risk that kid's health? In a game that, frankly, would be pretty big upset. It would be a huge upset, honestly, to pull off. With the healthy Daniel Jones, you guys do have a better chance. With the injured Daniel Jones, I don't think so. And why risk it? I agree. Um, And this is the thing. The four-game winning streak, having a signature win against a team like Seattle, a signature win for the coaching staff. Daniel Jones didn't play in that game. Um, The team that probably will win the division, we did sweep. It's not all bad going into the new year. You get Saquon coming back healthy. They're keeping together this defense, and I know they're going to add a couple of pieces, particularly offensively they're going to get that number one receiver that we've been craving for since Odell's departure. I don't think the Giants are far. They are the second youngest team in the league, and I think they have to see this. And what I like about this coaching staff and the approach that Judge has taken, is it's not about what's going to happen in week 17. It's about week 16. It's not about what happened last week when we put up a dud against the Browns. It's about what's happening this week. It's a good attitude, a good mantra. And one thing I got to say is that this young, very inexperienced team, with the exception of veterans like Bradbury, you know, and Martinez, they show up. They haven't quit. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, Frankly, it's this simple. You guys are going to be a nine-win football team next year, all right? It's going to be progress. You'll be competitive in the division. You're moving in the right direction. Your fan base has to stay patient. Yes. You know, that's the key. If they get fucking nervous and start blowing shit up again, it's just going to put you back a few more years. there There has been some talk that they are going to move on from Dave Gettleman. And I'll be honest, I'm 50-50 on this. Um, I believe Dave Gettleman did very well with putting together this defense. But I do also think that some of that is masked by how good of a coordinator Patrick Graham really is. Uh, He struck out royally on building that O-line up until this year where I actually think we got lucky with some of the stuff that's happened. Andrew Thomas was off to a shit start. He's doing so much better now. Um, But, you know, the... Fucking rookie. He's a rookie with a limited preseason. Oh, no, no question. But uh, Gettleman's strikeouts versus his successes, I think they're kind of a wash. Um, And with a guy like Nick Casario, who probably, relationship-wise, back to the New England days, meshes well, I have a feeling that they're going to try to go younger at GM because it's a young team and the youngest coach in the league. We shall see. And it's not a complete indictment on Gettleman. I mean, this is a man who beat cancer. This is a man who has been around the league for a very long time. But sometimes... Uh, moving on doesn't necessarily mean that you're not part of the of what happened and and not responsible for some of the good that's going to come. So I think that needs to. I mean, Ernie Acorsi didn't get a ring for 07 or 11, but he had a big fingerprint on both those teams. You know, that's the way the business works sometimes. But I'm kind of 50 50 on moving past Gettleman. I mean, I'm not going to cry if we move on from him. I'll put it to you that way. I think you know, being an older GM doesn't mean he can't keep up with the modern game. You know, is is not to be ageist about any of it. I, th- I think he can build this team um, the way any organization can. I think they've chosen a direction that is more conservative, but I think they've the coaching staff falls under that, right? Um, I think the that's culture the culture of the, the organization team. falls under that, right? Historically, so to pin it on a, the GM is kind of silly. You don't need to hit every move out of the park 
to be a good GM. And frankly, again, your fan base is incredibly impatient. The two faces on our offense uh, now and moving into the future, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, these are two critical things that I'm going to point out and then we move on. We drafted Saquon Barkley um, right after... Um, who won one that year? That was Baker Mayfield, correct? believe so. Yeah, Baker won one. Saquon won two. Darnold won three. And um, I believe... I believe that um, in that position, a team that you're trying to start from the ground up, looking back at it, I wanted Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame, who in my opinion, and I've said this on many shows, is the best lineman in the league. I I strongly back that. I believe that to be true, and he's a guard. He's awesome. Um, Now, with Daniel Jones, while it's still controversial if we could have got him at 17 as opposed to 6, Josh Allen was there. And, you know, the Giants, although the defense has gotten better, they are still missing a legitimate edge rusher. That would have filled that need. So it's tough. It's tough to, you know, you always play the hindsight game, the 2020 game. But uh, I do think Jones may have been there at 17. Possibly, but that's revisionist history. You, You can't predict the future. And at that time, they couldn't have known that. So. You know, they, they got to see what's going to happen. I don't think you can count this year as really progress or regression um, for, for many of these players. It's a fucked up year across the world. Part so, of the reason why I say this is a, a check in the positive way is for the sheer fact that this is a team that for the better part of the last seven, eight years, with the exception of 16, has not had anything to play for in the month of December. That's not the case this year. Now, granted, the NFC East has taken some hits, but they've had some high moments. When you go into Seattle and beat that team, you did something right. It was a big win. But, I mean, it it cuts both ways. I mean, people have short memories. Lamar Jackson, for example, having that great couple of series against the Browns, all of a sudden you guys are anointing him as a passing quarterback again. It's like, no, the dude is capable of throwing at an NFL level. It's still not his strength. He's not consistent. He can have moments of greatness, but the best quarterbacks are consistent. What right? is going to be interesting in this game, and last thing, you take the film from Kyler Murray, failure of how we approach that game. Now you flip it and you take the film on Russell Wilson, success in that game. I think the Giants really need to go hard on those two particular eight quarters of football. Um, and, and should they be able to shut down the pass game for the Ravens, and spy out Lamar like they did so beautifully in that Seattle game, there could be a possibility for an upset. But it's going to be an ask, and it's a big one. 23-10, Ravens. Um, your defense will show up, but there's Will, too, and your offense is not good. So that's, that's done fair. and dusted. That's um, fair. Which, which sets us up for some other situations. But if you guys lose that game, it does sort of simplify the playoff race in the East. Um, you guys lose that game doesn't clinch anything to my knowledge. I think Washington would have to lose right in order for us to stay alive because we have the season sweep on Washington, but Washington has a game lead. So giant fans are rooting for best case scenario, Washington losing us winning. Realistically, we're going to probably lose. And then you got to pray that Washington loses. So what you're saying is that Dallas is going to beat the Eagles and then beat you guys next week. Washington's going to lose and we're going to make the playoffs? It would be awesome if it came down to 17 (laughs) regardless of the result. But as much as I hate to say it, I think the most obvious one is probably going to happen. The Giants lose and the Redskins win, the football team. Um, But I'll be rooting for Carolina and I'm going to pick them because I'm going to pick them. So, yeah, that's, that's jumping ahead slightly, but uh, Carolina is facing the Washington football team. Washington is favored by two. Uh, no McCaffrey. Do we know who the Washington quarterback is? That's probably the weekly question here. I, uh, I think Carolina is going to show up for this game because it's their former head coach, and I think they, they're going to uh, treat this game a little more personal even though they have nothing to play for outside of playing a spoiler. This game could really be either way, go either way. Both offenses are challenged, to say the least. Um, I'm going to go uh, Los Penteros de Carolina, 23, and the Washington football team, 20. Shout out Cousin Mario. It was awesome you calling me, fuckface. Uh, he's a big Carolina fan. The only Carolina fan I know, but yeah. Yeah, I, I just... Um, Washington is such a clusterfuck on offense. 
uh, that it, it's, it's really, really difficult to pick them any week. But their defense is that good. They do show up. They and really do. Seven is formidable. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're really good up front. Um, so I, I'm going to pick Washington. They're going to win this one 20 to 16. Okay. It'll be ugly. I'm not watching it despite the uh, implications for the playoffs. Um, let's talk about my game real quick. The, the Eagles are going to Dallas. This Last is, time we played was not nice. I think it's going to be actually a pretty good game to watch. Um, Jalen Hurts has revitalized the Eagles, not necessarily for this particular season, but for having a hope for the future at the most important position on the field, which is obviously quarterback. He's been playing out of his mind. I think they did very good drafting that kid. Unfortunately, Carson Wentz's time in Philly is going to come to an end. I wish him well. He's still young, so you, you'd like to see him you know, find himself, so to speak. As far as uh, this game goes, Cowboys have been showing me a little something here and there. They're still playing with some pride. The offense moved very fluidly last week, and that's without Zeke. I like uh, the Red Rifle and the Dallas Cowboys to pull this off in close fashion. I got them winning 26-24. Greg Zerline, walk-off field goal. Xavier Woods, Antoine Woods, Van Der Esch. All missing the game. The Cowboys are so depleted. Are you talking about Xavier Woods from the New Day? <laughs> Shout out Carlton. And no, from our fucking defensive backfield. Oh, okay. Just when good. we had a semblance of consistency, it's well, gone. Well, the guy's available. Get him. It's a little short, but you know he might be able to be a sneak up on somebody. Yeah, our defense um, is bad. Our offense is sort of figuring it out. They've had a little bit of consistency from the past couple weeks. With the O-line, being able to field the same five guys has been cool for back-to-back weeks. Um, still depleted, though. Um, I think Zeke, playing or not, doesn't greatly swing this game. Again, no, see our conversation I. from the first segment neither about running I. backs. Uh-huh. Um, it's not just that the backup is good. It's that at that position... Schematically, it's, they can still do what they're wanting to do if they're going to follow the right game plan. Exactly. Um, we still got great receivers. Dalton's not half bad when he has time. Got pretty um, good tight end there, too, and Dalton Schultz. Yeah, yeah, he's upped his value, seriously. But nonetheless, I think the Eagles are going to win this one. I hate to say it, but I just have zero faith in us to put together consistent games. Um, there, it's It should be kind of ugly. I got us winning 29, or them, excuse me, Philadelphia 29 to 20. Yeah, weird scores, but that's the type of games we play. So I pick your team and you don't. Interesting. Sounds like me and Brett when he picks the Giants and I don't. Been the past, uh, most of this season with the Cowboys, I haven't picked them. So. Heard. <sighs> okay, so another great matchup. The Broncos are playing the Chargers, the 5-9 and nine bowl. this shit. Uh, you got two young quarterbacks that are actually playing pretty well. I got the Chargers winning in a walk-off touchdown in OT, 33-27. to 27. Herbert, Drew Locke, they're both going to show up. Um, the Chargers have a better defense that won't be on display in this particular game. Vic Fangio has the Broncos actually competing every week. They're not that far, but no, the Chargers in a walk-off, high-scoring AFC West showdown. Yeah, I, I agree mostly. I don't know what to make of the Broncos most weeks anymore. Um, the Chargers are inconsistent too, but I sort of – have a feel for what they bring to the table, whereas Denver's erratic as fuck. So I got the Chargers winning, um, we'll say, 34 to 26. I like that shot, and I can see that. All right. Um, one of probably probably the best matchup of Sunday afternoon, if we're being honest. Uh, you guys' favorite team, the Rams, <laughs> are going to Seattle. Um, Seattle's favored by one. Should be Should be a really good game. I expect a defensive showdown because Seattle was getting goofed on for a decent part of the decent chunk of the year um, with an underachieving defense, but they have gradually been becoming a tighter, better unit. You look at the numbers over the course of the past month; they have played much better. Well, Rams you- <laughs> always bring it on D, but their offense is funny. Uh, I don't know what to make of that Jet game. I want to just say it's an anomaly because I do think the Rams are better than that. They are better than that, but I don't see it as an anomaly. I see it as a culmination. That's why I was outraged at you guys that week um, for jumping on the bandwagon. So at the time we did, because 
to me, this has been building. The Rams have not been impressive um, in the latter half and middle part of the season, whereas I thought there was there were a few games early on that they looked really good, and lately they've been on a downward trend. I still think they're a good team. I still don't wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs if I were another NFC team. I'll buy and into I think what they, you're saying. Well, I think they do match up well with Seattle, frankly. There's one particular game that stands out to me that makes them – Give them a case of being a real good team when they went into Tampa and smacked around the Bucks, but this is the same team that managed to lose to a depleted 49er team and a winless Jets team after 13 losses. Um, the Rams definitely play the Jekyll and Hyde game. There's no question about that. We know what they do good. We know what they can't do. The Seahawks have a lot more ceiling on offense, but the Rams are, especially in fantasy, they are the number one defense against offenses in fantasy. I expect a low-scoring, hard-hitting hatred game here. I'm going to go Seattle 20, Rams 14. This is going to be close, but I think Seattle's just going to edge them. I'd like to agree, but I think the Rams are going to pull this one back. I think the matchup really does favor them. Um, they can make Seattle somewhat one-dimensional it's hard to make Russell Wilson one-dimensional with his ability to move the pocket around um but I think they are going to take care of the run game which is going to make Seattle have to air it out which they're very capable of doing um the Rams match up well though if you know what the team's going to do it is a lot easier on defense to prevent it and speaking of run game the Cam Akers will not be playing um it's going to force the Rams to possibly throw the ball a little more than they want to. I think Seattle knows what they're walking into. I think they've got to challenge Goff to beat them. And I, I'm talking stacking eight and nine in the box and forcing the Goff to beat you with his arm. I don't necessarily Ooh, know if he could. You pointed this out a few weeks ago. I think you guys sort of um, gave the, the, the game film um, to limiting Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. Indeed. So I think that's going to happen. I, I got the Rams winning this one 23 to 20. Ooh. Really close defensive struggle. Well, the Seattle definitely has a weak O-line. There's no question about that. Yeah, Aaron Donald's going to eat. Um, it should be a good one. I'll definitely have that one turned on. Um, definitely the Sunday night game. This Big is, in my matchup. opinion, the best game of the week. Probably so. The Tennessee Titans going to Green Bay to play the Packers. I'm not a Packer fan. My father adored that team. So I just want to say this really quickly, especially like, uh, you know, Christmas time, stuff like that. Fortunately, lost my dad three years ago. The Packers have come off a tough loss uh, just last year, the title game. They are pushing back to go there. I was, I kind of underestimated these guys to an extent. I'm still not convinced that they're the team, but the records say different. They are the one seed, and they can wrap up the one seed by winning this game. The Titans, um, I've many times professed my love for that coaching staff, Mike Vrabel. I really like that that coach. Um, I think both offenses are going to show out here. Ryan Tannehill and Aaron Rodgers are both going to put in some work. Um, I think the difference in this game is the Packers get up early enough where they're able to take Derrick Henry out of the game. And I think uh, Tannehill is going to have to throw maybe a little too much, which might induce a couple of turnovers that are kind of rare. I'm going a high-scoring one here. I think the Titans will stick around and make it close. I'm going Packers 38, Titans 31. The Packers wrapping up that one seed, and uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm not going to lie. If my pack, if my Giants are gone, I'm certainly rooting for my dad's team, and it would be uh, kind of cool to see what they can do, maybe uh, do something special this year. You, know, you, you might not think of these teams this way, but you got the number one points per game. For an offense with Tennessee and third rank with Green Bay. You know what the difference is? What's that? Point one. Really? So we're looking at 31 points a game, basically, for each of these teams. You wouldn't necessarily think of these as high-scoring football teams, but stats don't lie. Um, yards per game, third and fourth, favoring Tennessee. Um, Green Bay shows more balance. They got the eighth-ranked passing attack and eighth-ranked rushing attack, whereas Tennessee, we all know, they are more run-heavy. Turnover differentials where Tennessee wins it. We saw when they had that um, really story of two-half game against Cleveland. Yeah. When, when they put the ball on the ground with Derrick Henry and had some turnovers, it, it definitely showed. That's kind of where I'm shouting this out. I have a feeling you might be looking at a replay of that. I think, you know, uh, Green Bay's been better at limiting yards um, than Tennessee. Tennessee tends to be a bend, but they'll break defense or break less. Um I don't know. Green Bay seems to have more balance. It's all about can they 
create something on defense. It's not enough to slow them down because Derrick Henry's going to move the ball. Can you cause turnovers? If you cause turnovers against Tennessee, you beat them. And this is on the flip for Tennessee to win. If Tennessee should get up a score early, and if they can impose their will on the ground, especially in that weather, in Lambeau, this game could actually favor the road team because they can play that brutal style of just wearing you down with the run game, and Derrick Henry is the best at it. But I'm going with my prediction. I have a feeling Derrick Henry might be extracted from this game if Green Bay jumps on them early, and I have a feeling that's the way this is going to go. Yeah, I mean, if if either team takes an early lead, I like Green Bay's odds of closing that gap and Tennessee not so much. I don't see Tennessee playing well from behind, even though they've had to do it. Um, Green Bay, of course, Aaron Rodgers, I like his odds being able to close it in any weather. And the other thing, too, should Green Bay play a little bit from behind, they are more geared to deal with that. And even their running back is still a factor because he's a three-down running back in Aaron, Aaron Jones. He's a pass-catching back that also could run you over. You know, I no, no knock on Aaron Jones, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, but I feel that he's the poor man's Kamara. Hmm. Uh, that being said, I'm actually going to pick Tennessee in this one. Um, slight upset. Uh, should be a great matchup. Tennessee's going to win an ugly one, 24-20. to uh, 20. The Packers are going to struggle to move the ball early in the game and have um, they're going to run out of time is what I'm calling in this one. All right. So last game, the Buffalo Bills are going to New England. Um, I don't know. Buffalo is favored by seven, but I'm not really sure what they're playing for at this point. I don't really see them closing the gap on Kansas City, and they seem to have the East. I'm pretty sure they've clinched the East, so... What's their motivation here? Just beating the Patriots? Making sure, number one reason, making sure the three seed doesn't jump them. Number two, for so many years, New England ran that division. And in their first meeting, New England lost a very spirited close game where they actually outplayed the Bills, but the Bills caught a couple of breaks. I think the Bills want to show the world that it's their time, it's their division. And what better example to make than the team that has kept them down for that long and the team that has dominated. So I think... The Bills are in a position where it's their time and they got to show it. So I think they're going to step on the neck of the Patriots and let it be known that this is not some fluky, flimsy COVID bullshit. They are for real. I got the Bills winning this one 31-20, and I don't think it's even going to be as close as the score says. Uh, New England is depleted on offense. I still think in the long game, big picture, Bill Belichick will have that team back in the hunt within a year or two. They had a lot of opt-outs more than any other team. We've been back and forth about what we think of Cam. I myself think that he hadn't been the same after that COVID uh, contraction. Uh, who knows? But New England definitely has a lot to do in the offseason, whereas Buffalo is a complete team right now. And um, Josh Allen making a case for possibly being the best, not only quarterback, but player in his particular draft year. He's uh, starting to really shine. We shall see. But I uh, like the Bills by 11 uh, on the road. And... Uh, <laughs> cementing their place as the uh a real super bowl contender yeah i got the bills by more i got 30 to 12 i'll keep it short on that um the patriots offense is a mess cam is not himself he's not working with much i don't pin it on him no i mean i don't think it's fair to no it's kind of a lost season and, and if you're the patriots in rebuild mode quote unquote um this is the season for it i don't think this is indicative of of the team they're going to put out next year they still have the question at the quarterback position. Brett's convinced that they're, what, moving on from Cam? Yeah, he's pretty convinced. Um, I think that might be true. I don't know. I don't think Cam's done every anything to prove that he's the guy. I also think he's proven enough to get a job somewhere else. So he may be right on that. You're right on the Bills being the real deal. So they're going to close out the Patriots 30-12. to 12. So with that, we're done for our holiday slate of football games for the NFL Week 16. We made it this far. Yeah, something to be proud of. And, you know, we are we had a great conversation outside that's not coming here to the mics, but uh, we have some stuff cooking for the new year, and uh, we are very excited about putting some of that into play. Um, I just want to say before I sign off here that uh, the Giants and Cowboys will play Week 17, and it will mean something. I don't know if it will mean something for both teams, but it's going to mean something for at least one of us, so it should be fun. Yeah, so with that, um, I'm not sure when we're going to record our Week 17 show. Um, it may be after the New Year, so if we don't catch you then, Happy New Year. Happy um, New Year. Merry Christmas to everyone. 
I hope we enjoy our holidays with our family. And that's it for me, Rich, signing off. Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Uh, it's been a very tough year for so many. But, uh, you know, enjoy this. Enjoy this because, you know, if you're listening, whatever have you, we made it. We made it out of this very complicated, tough year. And uh, only only getting better from here. So uh, keep that at the forefront of your mind. And that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Thank you.